0: I'm getting sick of it, Sherry, bro. I can I need an explanation. There's no explanation for
1: it. This is Aaron. He's in Garth Prison, serving an IPP sentence. IPP stands for Imprisonment for Public Protection. It's a now abolished indeterminate sentence, which Aaron was given back in 2006.
0: Hey, tell him my story, tell him my situation, and, and they could probably do something. But you,
2: you, you don't believe me. Cause I believe you. I'm doing everything I can for you. You know that.
1: Aaron is the longest straight-serving IPP prisoner. He's spent 19 years in prison without parole. That's nearly half of his adult life, and he still doesn't know when he's getting out. The best thing that could ever happen to me is to die, you know what I mean,
2: in my sleep, peacefully. But I don't even think that will happen because that, that's too good for me. We're gonna, we're gonna do what we need to do. We're gonna do what we can. Do you know what I mean? We'll just keep going. And I know I know, it's, we've got no direction, but we're going to get some direction. But the
1: thing is, people don't understand, understand, understand what they're dealing with. you think you're dealing with, with, with normal
3: men.
2: I need things to change. I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can.
1: His sister, Sherry, is an active campaigner against IPPs, and she's fighting hard to bring Aaron home. Sherry, it's great to see you this morning. Um, thank you so much for coming um, to talk to us, does he ever think this is Trapped, times? episode two. I'm Sam Asamadu and today we are hearing Aaron and Sherry's story.
2: My brother left a care system with £100 in his pocket. This, that's the story. He'd had very much a lot of trauma that was unhealed before that, so it always went unhealed and anger was his emotion. So we all show emotion, but my brother's was anger. But he got involved with the wrong crowd and that was to make money. My brother would always say I did that, Sherry, to survive. It's not something I, I would do now, but I did it when I was younger because I didn't
1: have anybody and I wanted to survive. So what I wanted to know was Aaron's index offence.
2: So basically he'd got into this fight and there was three lads. You know, he partook in that fight and he got done for GBH. He always says, I shouldn't have done that. I was in the wrong place. and I just wish I hadn't. But he, he always says to me, well, I've paid the price like 50 times, but what I've done, I can't be any more sorry.
1: He's spent his 20s in prison.
2: His 20s, yeah. He's young, his younger sort of years, he's been in prison from then. So it's not known anything else. What was his original tariff again? It was two and a half years. So was it at that point when it came up to two and a half years that you learned what an IPP was? Yeah, we, we suddenly sort of dawned upon ourselves that actually it's not something that's going to be easily undone. I just, I still can't get my head round it how somebody's life can be dictated and, and controlled for so long.
0: For 17 years, mate, I, I, I was there and, and I was so used to kicking and screaming that I just, I just stopped talking. It went on for that long. Do you know what I mean? I just, I just I, you know, I just sat there sullen and vacant and silent
4: and brooding in the darkness. People on indeterminate sentences have, in addition to all of the other things they've brought into prison, have that, just that hopelessness around the indeterminacy. And I think we can't underestimate how distressing it is to live with no sense of control in your life. I'm Dr Joe Shingler and I'm a forensic psychologist. Some, some of the people in my study talked about you know, how they would have a they'd plan, they'd be told, you know, you do this and then, you know, that will lower your risk or you'll do this and then and then they do that and then suddenly there's something else they have to do and something else and something else. So this sense of goalposts being moved is also really distressing and again it sort of takes away any sense of control. You can do this, okay, great, I'll do this, I'll do, I'll give it my best shot, I'll try really hard, you know, I'll participate in this group or whatever it is. Great, I've done that. Yes, you have, but now you've got to do this. And actually that sort of sense of you know, when is this going to end? How do I do this? What what am I? What is expected of me? is is damaging. I think it damages people's faith in people like me, um, and I think it damages their sense of being individuals and um, somebody who has any sense of control over their lives. And I think it is a really not the answer is, but I think it's a really it's a really challenging part of an indeterminate sentence that that never knowing when this is going to end. Um, and actually, you know, for some people, it doesn't end.
0: I've said this many times it'll be a different story and it never is and I'm, I'm getting to that point now where, where I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm literally at the point where where I just don't care anymore where I'm, I'm like just not even care about myself just like just literally wouldn't give a shit if I didn't wake up I wouldn't care I, I really wouldn't So I've just got no energy to do this anymore I know literally you know what I mean every morning man you know what I mean if you if you to watch no, my life on, 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 on a Big Brother camera, do you know what I mean? Me just doing the same thing every day, do you know what I mean? They're not what they're doing, they're, they're causing
1: psychological torture. Aaron calls his situation psychological torture. It's a striking term, but a description of the IPP sentence that has been used by someone at the very top of the power pyramid, the Conservative peer Lord Moylan, who's a vocal campaigner against IPPs. Just listen to what he said about the sentence in the recent debate in the House of Lords on the 25th of May, 2023.
3: The difficulty of completing the hurdles uh, required for progression to release, the lengthy 10-year statutory parole period and the ease with which one can be yanked back into the prison system have made this scandal both intractable for the authorities and a continuing mental torture for the prisoners and their families.
1: Back to Sherry's story, and I asked her how she found the strength to keep going after nearly two decades. Because I don't
2: want my brother to come home in a box. I don't want my brother to die. That's really sad even saying that, isn't it? That's why I'll never stop, because then I know I've done the best I can. On a positive note, I've got everything I can for my brother to have a good life in the sense of peace, stability. I'm talking about stability, a loving family, and he hangs on to that and has that hope.
1: Has your brother ever been diagnosed with a mental illness? Most of the
2: IPPs, the longer they're locked up, develop these mental health, because it's the torture of not knowing. So they would say he's got a personality disorder. I don't know anybody who wouldn't have any issues when they're crucified with that much trauma. Have you ever had a chance to
1: see his file, the file that goes to the parole board?
2: I have, I have seen it and I read it and I just, yeah, it's very, very hard for me to read it, but I'm hardened to it and the days, I mean, don't don't think I don't get upset because I really do, but I manage it quite well. As long as I'm doing all I can, I'm doing my best, that's the best I can do, then I can cope with it, if that makes sense. I just have hope then, like my brother does, that he'll come out one day.
0: One minute, you know what I mean? I can be all right in the next minute, but for no reason, I just I just want to die, you know what I mean? It's weird.
2: But, but no, we know exactly I can, why, do you mean, know I, mean. I could be, be everything, there could be nothing wrong,
0: you know what I mean? And then I just, for some reason, I just feel, I don't, I don't know,
2: it's just weird, man. Aaron, it's a situation you're in, you, should, you need to be easy on
1: yourself, do you know what I mean? I asked Sherry about their family background and wider support network.
2: We don't have any family on the outside, really. He just has me and my husband. I'm like he's next And as a sister, I went through the, so, the same sort of system as my brother. I was fostered and went through some traumatic times. And I went the other way. My brother went away that he didn't know any different. He was just um, terribly insecure. And I grew up and I obviously looked after children and um, fostered those and give them hopes and dreams and help them on the way. And then I ended up, selling my house and buying some land and stuff like that so my brother's actually got a home which is here
1: (laughs) I'm speaking to Sherry over Zoom behind her I can see she's in a beautiful field surrounded by trees and it's peaceful you can hear the birds singing if you listen carefully Sherry points to a new build It looks like a small cabin she's made for Aaron to come home to.
2: It's got a a nice static in the middle of the field, which is very healing for him with everything he needs. And my house is just over there.
1: He's been in nearly 20 years. Do you remember how many times he's had the opportunity to go for
2: parole? I can count five or six times on my hand when he's gone up for parole. Not always face to face. Sometimes he's got something under his door, which I just found so upsetting
1: somebody could make a decision on your life and you don't have a voice. IPP prisoners go up for a parole review at least every 24 months.
2: In 2020, when we went for parole, it was decided that my brother didn't need to do any more courses because he was going round in circles. And then the next parole, it was suggested that he does this course and that course. So this is why we don't get anywhere.
1: The courses or behaviour programmes that IPP prisoners like Aaron are asked to do are mostly provided by HMPPS Intervention Services. Their stated goal is to change the thinking, attitudes and behaviours which may lead people to re-offend. They have jargonish sounding names like New Me Strengths, Living as New Me, Building Better Relationships.
5: I'm Mark Day. I'm the Head of Policy and Communications at the Prison Reform Trust.
1: I wanted to find out more about these courses, so I sought out some experts to help me out.
5: One of the issues that came up early on in the history of the IPP Because the government vastly underestimated the number of people who would end up on the IPP sentence, there simply wasn't enough of these courses available for the number of people on an IPP. So what we quickly got was growing waiting lists for access to these programs. So this early on became a real bone of contention about the lack of access to offending behavior programs because people weren't able to get on them, they weren't able to progress in their sentence, do the things which they were being told to do to reduce their risk. And so when they came up to the parole board, they hadn't been able to take part in the programme. They couldn't demonstrate their reduced risk, so the parole board couldn't release them. So this was the problem. But what we have is a population who have probably gone through a number of different programs now. And they get, you know, they 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 may go to a parole hearing and the parole board may say, well, you haven't been able to demonstrate your reduced risk, go away and do this programme. They do that, they come back, the parole board still isn't satisfied. So it's a bit of a Kafkaesque maze, really, which a lot of these IPPs seem to be on.
0: One of the sort of general principles of parole, or the culture of parole, is programmes to achieve release. Now in law, the the courts are clear, you don't have to have completed programmes to obtain release but try going in front of a parole board and not having completed a programme to get released. It's very difficult. My name's Dean Kingham. I'm a prison and parole solicitor. I represent primarily prisoners in front of the parole board. The problem is when IPPs first came in, and I was a criminal practitioner at the time, so I remember um, representing people, they, they weren't well understood. There was little judicial training to judges. Their ability to have discretion in sentencing was significantly reduced and people getting these sentences and not really having any idea of what, what it was actually, oh it's a life sentence. There was too many people requiring courses but not enough supply, so people waited years for the programmes. Then we've had, well some of these programmes don't actually reduce risk.
1: So if they don't always reduce risk, what is their purpose?
6: you can see how it's very enticing to want to get someone to do more work, to become a bit more safe at the individual level of a a prison officer, a prison prison governor, or a parole board. So I'm Harry Anderson, I'm an associate professor at Southampton Law School. And it becomes very difficult to demonstrate whether you are safe, because of course, how you behave in a prison environment is not necessarily how you behave out in the community. I mean, pretty sure if I was put in a prison environment, and someone told me that they assumed that I was not safe, I was dangerous because of something I'd done before, and was then forced to prove to prove my way out of that. I think given what we know about the, the state of prisons and the conditions and the dynamics within prisons, that seems an almost impossible task.
0: We have to go back to the creation of offending behaviour programmes. So. Historically, to achieve parole, there was no offending behaviour programs. They would look at other factors. But over the years, offending behaviour programs have been brought in, and it's now become a multi-million pound industry. When Grayling was justice secretary, he was looking at selling the programs to Saudi Arabia, of all countries.
2: The courses that they do are between five and eight thousand pound a course. So then, as it as the plot thickens, I'm beginning to. It about money or is it about my brother's mental health it just seems to me in the eyes of the IPP when they're doing courses after course after course they're not getting anywhere that I feel in my personal opinion that it seems to be more about money than actually mental health
0: the offending behaviour programmes are accredited by a specialised panel we used to know who comprised that panel it used to be in the public domain but over the years the Ministry of Justice have removed that from the public domain um, I've made numerous Freedom of Information Act requests for that info, and they won't disclose it. So they say it's a panel of independent experts, but is it truly? We don't know.
5: The other problem we have is lack of transparency around these offending behaviour programmes. Only recently has HMPPS been releasing data which shows you know, numbers who have progressed through particular programmes, waiting lists for programmes, that sort of thing. We we haven't had that data for a long time, so so that data is now coming to light.
6: I think there should be concerns about the the approaches that are taken and the use of courses and so on in terms of whether they are the best thing to do in terms of whether there's a there's a sort of growth of them in terms of there's always one more for one particular prisoner. But for me, I think the most, or, or certainly one of the plausible dynamics, there is simply a concern about individual risk in terms of public risk and public protection but also organisational risk and that desire to do just one more I think certainly for me that's a very plausible dynamic
2: I do think that these IPPs must be the strongest people I know but done 19 years without without one recall, he hasn't been out to be recalled, but he's never ever been home Every time I come up for parole yeah, they're going to read that they're going to say nah, we're
0: not releasing him Yeah, it's going to be like that until I reach an age where I'm not good to know one and I haven't got much of life left and then they'll let me out. And they know, yeah, when I'm that age, yeah, I haven't got enough time to build anything before I'm dead. And, And that's what they're trying to
2: do. Yeah, but it's inhumane,
1: Aaron, you know. However you look at this, surely Aaron's punishment outweighs his crime. Yet he's still in prison and hasn't got sight of when he's getting out. I asked Mark Day from the Prison Reform Trust to try and make sense of how this extraordinary situation has come about for Aaron and the others who are trapped in the system like he is.
5: What has become apparent is that there is this remainder population of people on IPPs. The parole board hasn't felt able, and for whatever reason that might be, to pass a decision to release. And so its options are when it can't, when it feels it can't do that is it it can recommend further risk reduction work that might be participation in a program but there becomes fewer and fewer things it can recommend to do and this is why you get more and more people on the IPP going through multiple courses um, and, and feeling stuck and not being able to progress in the system which is why senior members of the parole board itself has said that We cannot deal with this problem alone. There needs to be statutory intervention in order to deal with this remaining problem of how do we progress the IPPs through the system. And so really, there's a a few ways in which it can be done. One is the non-statutory approach, which is what the government has decided to do, which is the renewed and refreshed IPP action plan.
1: The latest IPP action plan was published in April 2023. Its goal is to detail the steps taken to support IPP prisoners, both inside prison and in the community, using performance measures, a time frame and with accountability.
5: Obviously the Justice Committee's view is is this won't succeed in dealing with the problem and the the only problem that will succeed is the resentencing exercise, which would resentence the existing IPPs to a, a different sentence that wouldn't be the IPP, but then, which is why we had the expert committee established, to handle all of the subsequent difficulties that would be involved around the necessary psychological support that those people might might need, ensuring that there was sufficient support in the community through the probation service, through other agencies as well, so that when people were released, that they could be released successfully.
1: As I explored in the last episode of this podcast... The cross-bench Justice Select Committee have proposed that re-sentencing existing IPPs like Aaron is the only way to get him and the other 2,916 prisoners serving historic IPP sentences out. But the recommendation for re-sentencing IPP prisoners was rejected by Dominic Raab, the then Secretary of State for Justice back in February 2023, the new Justice Secretary Alex Chalk has spoken out against IPPs in the past. So the big question still remains will he reconsider Raab's decision?
3: Finally, very finally, Madam Deputy Speaker, it's what's missing from the bill. Uh, and that relates uh, to the question of a particular cast of prisoner. The blot and the stain upon our, on our judicial landscape of IPPs, prisoners held for indeterminate sentences for public protection.
1: The chair of the Justice Committee, Sir Bob Neill, raised the case for resentencing existing IPPs during the second reading of the Victims and Prisoners Bill in Parliament on the 15th of May 2023. You can hear that Sir Bob was clearly trying to force Alex Chalk's hand.
3: Frankly, at the moment, they are set up to fail. They have to go on courses uh, and are told about the course of a few weeks before their parole hearing. And there's a, the waiting list for the course, we're told, in some places is two years. They may be in prisons where the courses don't exist or are not available.
1: There's also agreement on the Labour benches too. Here's John McDonnell on resentencing the IPPs at the same debate. Could he emphasise exactly what the Select Committee is saying, which is about a panel of experts
5: carefully preparing a way forward on resentencing which balances public protection with those um, rights of the the victims as well and justice to be secured in this instance and it has the wholehearted support of organizations on the front line the prison officers association the probation officers the court staff themselves as well as the as he said, the former Home Secretary and the Supreme Court judge. This is something that needs to be addressed now. We will lose the opportunity if we don't use this bill, possibly for another number of years.
2: They should all be looked at on an individual case basis. Nobody's going to open the door and say, off you go, because that would be really silly. And as I sit here, of course I'd love my brother to come home, but it has to be, like others, in a managed way, and I understand that.
3: What we were seeking to do... Uh, was not at all to say everybody will be resentenced immediately, everybody will be released immediately.
1: Here's Sir Bob Neill again.
3: There are some people who, by the nature of the index offence, will remain in prison for a long time. And the, and the determinate sentence which they ultimately receive under our scheme might be a very long one. So the idea that this was opening the doors uh, is wrong. But what it does do, it gives certainty to everybody and it gives hope. And it was pretty tragic when I was informed that in the four weeks after the former Secretary of State rejected the entirety of the serious recommendations of the Select Committee, three IPP prisoners took their own lives.
1: Since this statement, we now know that another three IPP-serving prisoners have taken their lives. That's six deaths in prison following the government's rejection of the resentencing exercise.
3: So I would beg the Secretary of State to think again uh, about using this opportunity.
1: So Bob Neal's persistence paid off when Alex Chalk answered him with strong words against the IPP sentence.
5: But he does identify something which is a stain on our justice system. The IPP system, it should, it should never have happened. Uh, you know, trying to take the politics out of it, I sort of understand uh, why it was proposed, but it was, it, was a, it was a bad idea. It was a big mistake and it has left us with uh, a difficult issue.
1: As Lord Moylan said more recently in the House of Lords, this is the strongest language yet from a Secretary of State for Justice. Now these are are new
3: terms, this is new language. We have not heard this language from the Ministry of Justice in the past, and it's wholly welcome.
1: So what did Alex Chalk have to say about the Justice Select Committee's recommendations for resentencing after all this pushing from Sir Bob Neill and others behind him?
5: I consider this, as I say, to be a stain on the justice system. I'm considering carefully what the Justice Select Committee has to say about that and um, I will be saying more about that in due course.
1: More about that in due course. These words are tantalising and have left prisoners serving IPPs and their families wondering whether Alex Chalk put his money where his mouth is. Will he do something concrete to finally put an end to this IPP injustice, which the nine secretaries of state before him have failed to do? David Blunkett said it all in his response to these words from Alex Chalk.
3: I hope that more about it is to help us all to find a solution.
1: Speaking to the BBC on the 13th of June 2023, nearly a month since his last comments on IPPs in Parliament, Alex Chalk said this... I am very troubled by the position of IPP prisoners. I'm not particularly attracted to the idea of resentencing, and I will consider all options in terms of what options we might take. Again, it's a more hopeful stance than anything we have heard from the previous Justice Secretary. He hasn't completely ruled out resentencing, but with no committal either way, prisoners and their families are still left waiting in a stifling limbo. I'm
2: quite calm in the manner that I want to work with people and be
1: proactive. In light of these political events, I wanted to find out more about how Sherry and her fellow campaigners are keeping their fight going. My reason
2: for campaigning, yes, is my brother, but also for for those that we've lost because we've lost 80 plus IPPs that committed suicide. That upsets me the most, if I'm honest, because it could be my brother. And I think um, that's the sadness in it that we've lost lives more than anything.
1: Like many IPP campaigners, Sherry speaks to other prisoners serving IPPs as well as her brother and keeps up with their news. I asked Sherry how these IPP prisoners she knows reacted when the government rejected the Justice Committee's recommendation for resentencing IPPs back in February 2023.
2: One recently protested on Strangeways prison roof. That wasn't a cry for help, that was desperation because that was like 12 hours. He did...
1: 12 hours in the freezing cold. That lad was desperate. Hey, tell them free the IPPs, bro! This was in mid-April 2023, and you can see from the footage posted on social media, Joe Outlaw, who was given an IPP sentence in 2011, with rain beating down on him and wearing a thin plastic sheet over his prison garb, screaming free IPPs over and over again. ...from the top of Strangeway's prison roof. When he was finally forced down after 12 hours... ...all that was left of his protest were the words free IPPs... ...with a Z replacing the S in big white letters on the prison roof.
2: I recently learned that he's got moved to category A. And he got sent down straightway to the segregation, stripped of his clothes, naked in a box. And that's how he was treated, because he was so ill of being trapped, and saw no way out.
1: We haven't yet been able to verify this story, but if it's true, it's extremely disturbing.
2: The point of IPPs being vulnerable and being uh, abused while being in HMP care, it really shines a light on that. Because they have no date, they're continuously vulnerable. I just think that every we can say what we want but it's just blatantly ignored and i think the real reason is because they don't want to admit liability because it all i think it all stems to money
1: and so do you think the government are afraid that they're going to have to pay compensation to the prisoners
2: absolutely but you know what it is if my brother leaves in his underpants I don't care as long as he comes home. We don't want it. I, as a sister, don't want any compensation. I want my brother's life, which is worth more than any
1: compensation. I want him to come home. I just wanted you to, to see if we could get an update on what's happening with his parole.
2: So where we're at with that, we've just done a psychological report and we are just doing our prison report. I don't have a date yet because it's still late,
1: really late. How does it feel for yourself and your brother in the sort of weeks leading up to that date? I just think about what can I do to make the blow easier, or
2: what can I do to help my brother? I'll send. Can I send him more books? Can I? Can I go every other week? I'll see him every two weeks. Can I support him that way? I just do everything I can to 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 get where we need to be, and I I try to be consistent to keep him going. It's just so hard. It really is. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do, and I can't wait to to not have to be on my shoulder all the time.
1: Sherry is pointing again to that cabin in the field.
2: The last two years, is his engagement has really changed and his self-worth and his self-esteem has really changed because he's realised that he's actually got somewhere to call home. He's got some stability and he's got a place where he's loved and he's got a great mentor in my husband. He's got a great mentor in me and he's got a really good chance to live his life again, which at the age of 43, you know, it's, it's it's a good time to sort of start. He just wants to sit out here and listen to the birds like I do. Just done everything. And I'm a desperate sister and want me, brother, to you have a life?
0: Since when does someone, you know, do 20 years for beating someone up? Since when?
3: It's never happened, but it's happened to me.
1: If you want to get in touch, you can find me and the team on Twitter or Instagram at trapped underscore pod. If you want to do something, you can tell a friend to listen to this series. Knowledge is power, and the more who know, the harder it is for injustice to take place. If you want to do something more active, you can write to your MP and tell them to raise questions about IPP prisoners in Parliament. Some campaigners have started the petition hosted on the UK government website. Search the hashtag Justice for IPPs on social media for more info and the link. Stay with us for a new episode dropping soon.